0: the long run, passivity won't pay off. It never pays off. If you want a life of meaning and transcendence, you're going to have to move. Aggression doesn't have to be toxic or damaging. Healthy aggression risks. It builds new things. It breaks through barriers. It's the key to living a life that matters. I'm Brian Tome, and this is The Aggressive Life. Welcome to The Aggressive Life. Today, we're going to talk about parenting. Don't stop. Don't turn it off. I know some of you do not have kids, don't plan on having kids, or just freaking sick of your kids. This is really way beyond a parenting thing. This is more an understanding of how we parent our kids is how we treat ourselves. We have a country that is rife with fear and planning and safety and control, I don't think it's a good environment for our kids, quite frankly. I'm glad that my kids are up and grown because I definitely would have been arrested. My neighbors would have been calling me in on things they saw me doing with my kids or not doing with my kids. It was intentional. It wasn't forgetful. It was intentional. And my kids have intentionally grown up into the people that they are, and I'm proud of them, and I would take them over anybody else. But there was a level of aggression that went into my parenting philosophy, and this mindset has to be with how I lead my life today, has to be with how you lead your life today. Are we going to parent our kids and are, are we going to lead our life with the only goal being so they don't get hurt? Or are we going to allow our kids to be parented and lead our own lives in such a way as to leave a mark on this world? If you're afraid of having a mark on yourself, you're not gonna leave a mark on this world. And I'm afraid that we have too few people who are going to be leaving marks on this world based on how we think about things today. I don't like it. I know I've got a comrade in arms today. Her name is Lenore. Lenore Skenazy's nine-year-old son was begging for some independence and a chance. And what did she do? She gave it to him. Lenore dropped her son off at Bloomingdale's in the heart of New York City with a $20 bill, a MetroCard and a map, and a few quarters. Then she went home. His job, get back on his own. 45 minutes later, he walked in the door ecstatic that he conquered the challenge. Lenora has published an article about the experience, and it spread like wildfire, picked up by nearly every news agency you can think of. She's ridiculed. She has been ridiculed by close friends. Skewered on the internet, nicknamed America's worst mom. Lenora's angle is simple. Children that are consistently hovered over, entertained, and directed by their parents will not thrive. Instead, kids need some freedom, some boredom that inspires creativity and a chance to prove themselves that they can do it. She's the founder of Free Range Kids, a movement to restore some freedom and fun back to our children, which has morphed into Let Grow, a nonprofit aiming to make it easy, normal, and legal to give kids back some independence. She's a highly sought-after keynote speaker, blogger, author, entrepreneur, TV show host, mom—albeit <laughs> the worst mom in the world. Please welcome Lenore Scinazy.
1: Cheers! Wait, that's me. Wow! That wow. You, what the an wor-
0: intro. the I world's worst. I should leave worst, now. <laughs> oh my! The world's worst mom. Wow! Well, yeah. Still, uh, what was that like when you when you Won that award.
1: Well, you know, I started out as America's Worst, so World's Worst was a promotion a few years later. Um, (laughs) It's, you know, there were some dark moments at the beginning when everybody was sort of down on the idea of why would you let your kid go into the New York City subway alone? But, um... You know, that, he, that nine-year-old is now 22, so I've had some time to get used to the term, and now I wear it with pride. And I also use it as like a, it's like a funny thing at parties. Remember when there used to be parties? I would say, by the way, you're talking to, guess who you're talking to? I'd say, Google America's worst mom. And they'd Google it, and then they'd look up, and they'd go, because ah! they thought like I had drowned my kids or something. I was like, no, 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 and they tell them the story. But it was, it's just a little parlor trick.
0: So take us way back then to this idea of Dropping off your kid and giving him a or <laughs> going home. What what was going on ahead of that that you wanted to do that?
1: Well, first of all, it wasn't our idea. Um, and by the way, there's a husband here who you never hear of as America's worst dad, but it was a joint decision. He just doesn't happen to be the newspaper columnist who wrote Sexism. about it. Sexism.
0: <laughs> Sexism. Well, it's all, all it's all- Right. <laughs>
1: Sexism, ageism, you name it. Um, something-ism. And... It was, uh, we have two sons, and the older son never gets mentioned. He calls himself the control group. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, but he hadn't asked us, can I take the subway by myself at age nine or 10 or 11? So um, it wasn't something we had thought of. It wasn't uh, an idea that we had as a publicity stunt or a must do this to become a man. It was simply something that our younger son wanted to do out of a real desire to, to, to try, to stick a toe in the grown up world. You know, you remember that Tom Hanks movie, Big? Do you remember the movie Big? Yes. Right. And what's the title? Big? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, So kids want to be bigger. They used to when they could dream a little bigger. And so it was his idea. And my husband and I discussed it. You know, I, I can't remember how much because it is a million years ago. But um, we talked about it and we decided if our son was ready, so long as we prepared him, we would be ready too. And so we made sure that he understood how to read the map. And we took him to, I, I think, an easy subway. You know, there's a million different subway lines in New York City, and this one was a straight shot down. And then you had to take a bus across, which was also very easy, although very slow. So it was it was a considered decision prompted by our son saying, like, look, I think it's time for me to um, start growing up a little bit. Do you agree? And we
0: did. So it wasn't like you woke up one morning and said— Hmm. How can, <laughs> how can I, I completely? Lose my son? <laughs> yeah. How can I terrify my child? It was a really. How it can was I get a, rid of this kid? <laughs> that's good. It was a it was a calculated risk.
1: Yes. Although the word risk is such a. I mean, I'm afraid of a lot of risks, so I hate the word risk. It was a. It was a parenting decision about something that we thought our son was ready to do that hadn't occurred to us without him asking about it first.
0: And were you nervous for the forty-five minutes he was gone?
1: You know, I. I can't honestly tell you if I was or wasn't because I just don't have a, a picture in my mind. I can tell you that after he did that, you know, then it sort of became like a point of pride. Like, can he come home late from his after school activities by himself? And I thought, oh, got to, you know, sort of stay on message. And there were some times when he'd be a little late and it was nerve wracking. But that's part of the deal when you have kids. Sometimes when you're not with them or things aren't perfect, it's going to be nerve
0: wracking. I I heard free range. I, I either didn't understand what free range was, mm-hmm. or I've uh, been told what it is poorly, or there's just an element of free range that isn't necessarily in my in my bailiwick. I always mm-hmm. thought free range was don't discipline your kids, let your kids do whatever they want oh, to. No. But what you're talking about free range is hey hey boys and girls. There's a big, wide world out there. There's a big, wide world. And if cattle are allowed to roam <laughs> and explore and experience, you ought to be able to roam and explore and experience. Is that, is that where, where you are in free range?
1: That's very much there. Uh, uh, you know, after I wrote the article about, is he taking the subway by himself? Because I was a newspaper columnist back then. Um, you know, two days later, I was on the Today Show, MSNBC, Fox News, and NPR, defending my decision and, you know, getting a lot of pushback. And so that weekend, I need. I, I, my husband said, start a blog. <laughs> it's all him, really. So I came up with the name Free Range Kids sort of automatically as just a, you know, everybody talks about free range eggs and free range chickens. And That whole movement grew out of the idea that, like, it's really not fair to take a growing animal and keep it totally cooped up, sort of anti-natural. And yet, even the free-range chickens, they don't get to cross the road. (laughs) They don't get to leave the farm, right? Uh, They just have a a wider berth. And, you know, I I didn't have my finger on exactly what I meant back then, and it's still sometimes a little amorphous, but it means trusting that we can give kids at least some of the freedom that we had and that without any independence, we're not letting kids fully develop. So that's what it was. It's not a free for all. It's not go out, stab, you know, stab a bear and come home with some fresh meat. That's not it.
0: Why do you think that you have been vilified as much as you have for what you did?
1: That, actually, you'd think I would know the answer. I mean, I can tell you why I think we've become more afraid than our parents were. And, Brian, my guess is that what I'm describing as a free-range childhood is exactly what your parents described as a normal childhood. Is that correct?
0: <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I I would wake up in the morning, and I would leave in the summer break or whatever it was, and my my parents wouldn't see me. They would have zero idea where I was until I'd be home at dinnertime. We would be— we would be I would take my dad's tools out of his workshop and every scrap piece of lumber we could, going shoot, I don't know, it felt like miles. It's probably only six hundred yards out in the middle of the woods, <laughs> building a tree house,
1: yes, you yes. know, way
0: up and no one overseeing us and just just stuff that you 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 don't see anybody doing today. Nobody. You can maybe build something if it's a video game and it's under the watchful eyes of your parents. But actually getting out and exploring, it just doesn't happen anymore. It breaks my heart. And so when I was getting ready for the show and seeing what you did, I said, now that's a woman after my own heart. It's, It's just fantastic. And the reason I think why you got vilified is America is not the land of the free. We're the land of the fear. We have more fears and paranoises and, and psychoses and, and everything's gotta be on lockdown and everything's gotta be insured and everything's gotta have a, an Excel spreadsheet backup and everybody's gotta have a, all these things and therefore our kids don't develop like you and I did perhaps. How about you, Ma'am? What are some of your memories when you were Wait, growing you up? Answer,
1: sorry, you just answered my question, your question about me for me, and I think you did an excellent job. And the fear thing is really what has changed so much in parenthood. And I just feel like, you know, when I was growing up, and, and I'll tell you about, you were about to ask about my childhood. Here it was. It was um, a boring, suburban Chicago childhood. Um And yet, of course, it was free range because there was just not an alternative. Anybody who would have been, you know, walking their child to the bus stop and standing next to them back then would have been a weirdo. I mean, it would have just seemed strange. What the heck are (laughs) you worried about?
0: Um,
1: Wait a minute.
0: (laughs) You mean you you actually would get up in the morning and you (laughs) would walk to the bus stop and stand there without any adult watching over you?
1: Well, here's, here's what the, I actually lived closer to the school than that, so I did not, at, uh, until high school, stand at the bus stop. And frankly, Chicago is so cold. Standing at the bus stop was just like the worst memory of my childhood. But when I was a kindergartner, uh, here's what I would do, and I was not an unusual kid back then. And my mom had quit her job to be a stay at home mom, so she wasn't heedless of my security or, or what I was doing with my time. But she, of course, let a five-year-old girl walk to school just like everybody else did. And when I got to the one corner that I had to cross, the crossing guard was another kid. <laughs>
0: <Right>? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Hard to believe, but we not only trusted children to walk, but children to get the younger children across the street. And the, the weirdest thing about this story of mine or this past is that the crossing guard, that crossing guard when I was five, I married him. (laughs) Wow. Which is what parents say, that's what we're afraid of. (laughs) But um, he wasn't, you know, I didn't marry him when I was five and he was 10. We met in New York, you know, 20 something years later. And it was only as we realized our whole childhood um, parallels that we realized, oh, that was my corner. So it's not like I stalked him. Uh, It's not like he stalked me. But (sighs) there was an era when 10 year olds were trusted. Not only to get to school on their own, but to stop cars <laughs> with their bodies and their little day glow sash, <laughs> and yes. uh, you know, and keep children safe, and to have lost all our faith in the five year olds walking and the ten year olds being responsible is a tragic loss for this country because kids are growing up feeling very depressed and anxious. And and you would be too if nobody believed in you. If everybody told you everything is too much for you to handle, it's really scary out there. It's you know everybody's out to get you, and only you're only safe if um, somebody is physically or electronically watching every move you make. That's that's right. like a prisoner.
0: We we have to take notice that anxiety rates are skyrocketing. We're prescribing more and more medication. Children, it just goes on and on. And and I've been, I've said before, I said again, there is such a thing as chemical issues in the brain. I'm not anti medication in the brain, there is such a thing. Mm -hmm. But man, you can have anxiety when you don't feel like you can handle something. That's when anxiety happens. I don't feel like I can handle it, so now I'm anxious. Well, guess what? If we're not letting kids handle anything, then they're not going to be able to handle anything. It's building that muscle mass and we're taking all that muscle mass, we're stripping it away under the auspices of giving you a safe life and it's not working.
1: Right. Well, that's why I was interested in that word used before risk. I mean, there's there's the idea that like, don't take a risk. You can be safe, but we're talking about, you know, let's think about, isn't there a flip side to complete and utter safety? Do you want to raise your kids in a safe room (laughs) or do you want your kids to even have some experiences? Uh, we work at Let Grow. It was co-founded with um, a couple of people. And one of them is Dr. Peter Gray, who's a psychologist. He's an evolutionary psychologist. He wrote the psychology textbook that's used in colleges across America. And one of the things he says is that the brain, when you're born, comes wired to learn things. It, it comes wired expecting language, for instance, which is really hard, but your brain puts it together because you just want to learn that. And it also comes expecting a whole... A whole panoply of experiences, and some of them are bad, right? Some betrayal, some frustration, some fear, some bad decisions, some regret. And if we're trying to take all of that out of kids' lives because we don't want them to be frustrated, so they're going to get a trophy, and we don't want them to be afraid, so we'll stand by them at the bus stop, and we don't want them to take a risk, so we won't let them climb a tree, and we'll tell the daycare center they have to, I mean, daycare centers have to chop off all the branches that are lower than eight feet because, God forbid, a kid could climb on them, and then what would happen? Oh, my gosh. Right, and they're not allowed <laughs> oh to, gosh. right, I mean, you're not allowed to have a cat, kids could get allergic, you're not allowed to have- tree stumps because kids could, I guess, stub their toes. Whatever it is, if you're trying to take out everything that could possibly hurt a child, you're also taking out everything that could possibly knit together these synapses in your brain from dealing with people, animals, trees, tripping, falls, betrayals, and joy, and the, 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 the triumph of Making, like you were talking about, making that fort, making that treehouse. And look at it. Look at I did that. Yeah, I fell once. But look, there it is. Of course, you're going to be anxious if you have none of that triumph and only are told it's too much for you. And also, I just wanted to add one other thing about the being told it's too much for you. It's not only that people are trying to keep you safe, 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 but they're also giving you the message, I don't believe in you. Right? Yes. I don't think you can handle it. I think you might get hurt. Somebody might be mean to you i 'll be there because I can handle it, but you can't
0: yes i had th- I had three bicycle accidents growing up two broken arms, broken finger oh, geez. Um, an average parent today there'd be one accident say no more bicycle for you you can't have you can't afford any more broken bones no more we ha we have to allow let 's take it away from kids let's talk about ourselves we have to allow ourselves to fail we have to allow ourselves to to break a bone that's how we all grow. This is a podcast called The Aggressive Life because <laughs> right. if we're afraid <laughs> right. of falling, if we're afraid of breaking something, if we're afraid of getting lost, we're not going to go anywhere. You and I yeah. my, I have a huge thing right now on with my uh my daughter who's my my youngest child just graduated from college, I think, Aggressive. so they tell me. Yeah,
1: really? Right. I,
0: I couldn't go to any commencement or anything like that, but um my youngest one. so now I feel this kind of extra freedom because now I can talk about the things I used to put my kids through that if I talked about <laughs> it ten years ago, they
1: could be taken I away. would be the da- the,
0: <laughs> the world's worst dad mm-hmm. I mean I would be awful because it was it was just against the grain before mm-hmm. um that's that's why I think I have a connection with you. Mm-hmm. would you like to hear some of my stories that would have made me wor- world's worst dad?
1: Yeah, of course,
0: all right. my kids are. I think what they are is five and seven, maybe six and eight, somewhere there, mm-hmm. somewhere in that area. We go to a Cincinnati Reds game, and I decide that I want them to grow up a little bit and buy me a hot dog and a coke. Mm-hmm. I give them twenty dollars. I say, "Hey, I need you to walk back down this 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 long row here, uh-huh. go in the back, see where you see a bunch of people stand in line and ask for a, a hot dog and a coke for me." Mm-hmm is a realize it yeah and they took out and they went out of view i couldn't see them. they were gone for oh gosh probably 15 minutes or something like that mm-hmm. they came back with that hot dog and coke and that change and i swear i saw each one of them grow up by 2 years <laughs> and 2 inches immediately yeah, immediately yeah. is that what you saw with your son when, when they came back when he came back from the subway
1: i did i have to tell you um you know what you're talking about is just bringing up so many thoughts I mean, anytime you achieve something that, I mean, I really feel like two things were happening with your kids. First of all, it was an adventure. I mean, what could be more exciting? There's all these people, there's money involved, there's a task that they have to complete. I mean, it's the hero's journey, right? They have to go like Odysseus, you know, and bring back whatever Odysseus was bringing back. I actually have no idea, but there they did. They brought back, you know, the, the vaunted hot dog and here it is, and they did something for you instead of you just doing something for them. So that's very fantastic feeling. And then also, once again, you believed in them. You didn't think, you guys are babies, I've got to hold on to you, you'll, you'll get lost, you'll ruin, you know, you'll get the order wrong, you're going to lose the money. You gave them responsibility, which makes you grow into the responsibility. If you never get a chance to prove yourself, you're back to that, what we were talking before, the, the, ang- the anxious embryo who doesn't know what is possible. And I feel like um, one of the things that at like, Grow We Do is we encourage schools to do the Let Grow project, which is simply this. It's free, by the way. Um, A teacher gives a kid the homework assignment. You have to go home and do something by yourself without your parent because it is so hard to be the Brian who lets the kids go get the hot dog, right? And so if the school is saying this and if all the parents are doing it because it's an assignment, it's much easier to do. And we have just heard these amazing stories from kids who were so anxious before they did the Let Grow Project because anxiety is rampant, and then how they changed. There was one girl, a seventh grader, who had become so afraid. She said she couldn't talk to people. She almost got too tongue-tied and nervous to talk to her parents. She was so self-conscious. And then she started doing these projects. And the Let Grow Project can be anything. Walk to school by yourself, run an errand, ride your bike. And Afterwards, she realized that A, she was more competent, and B, if things screwed up a little because they automatically did, that wasn't the end of the world either. I mean, kids think they have to be perfect now because we've been telling them they can't do anything on their own because they might screw up. And that internalizes as if I'm not perfect, I'm nothing, and I don't know if I can do anything, so I really am, I'm just aghast at the world out there and how un- unprepared and, and stupid I am.
0: Yeah. You, you, you write this in an article, and I could blow it out a little more if you could, you say, the problem with this everything is dangerous outlook is that overprotectiveness is a danger in and of itself. Mm -hmm. A child who thinks he can't do anything on his own eventually can't. Right. Brilliant.
1: Thanks. Those are words from long ago, but I still live by them. So let me tell you a little bit about this seventh grade class that, um, where that one girl who was so nervous finally, you know, walked to school. I actually don't know what she did. Um, we asked the, the, the kids in that class, and it was, it was uh, 227th graders, to write down something that they think they'd like to do that they haven't been allowed to do yet that is kind of interesting to them. And the things were, I'd like to walk my dog, but I'm afraid he would get off the leash. I'd like to go into a store, but I've never been in a store filled with strangers without my mom before. And a bunch of them wrote, I would like to um, use a sharp knife. Mm. So um, what we're talking about here is kids who have have come to believe that everything really is too dangerous for them. And the only way to break through that is to do it. You have to use the sharp knife. You have to, you know, take the dog for a walk. They were always going to the very worst case scenario. I'll chop off my finger. The dog will be run over. I'll be kidnapped by strangers. Um, and, and and equal to that, equal to the catastrophe fear was I'll mess up. You know, people behind me will be waiting, you know, for me to order and I'll be taking too long. Or I'll get the change wrong. Or I'll forget what I was supposed to get for my mom. So it's all this knot of terror Everything from being killed to, you know, bringing home 25 cents less than I was supposed to. And the world does seem like it's filled with just tripwires that are going to get you no matter what. And then you retreat and retreat and retreat. And, of course, the, the answer to fear is is doing something in the face of it as opposed to letting it grow bigger and bigger until you just are too terrified to, to leave your house.
0: Yeah, you, said, you, you also write, keeping kids under lock and key and helmet and cell phone and nanny and surveillance is not the right way to rear our kids. It's debilitating for us and for them. That's what you're talking about here.
1: I am. I mean, if you think about kids being in this structured environment 24-7, it certainly means that a lot of our time is spent uh, supervising them and schlepping them uh, to places because we're not allowed to take our eyes off of them. And that's why one of the things that Let Grow is working on is actually laws. We, We don't want it to be considered neglect if a parent lets their kid walk to school or come home with a latch key for an hour or two while mom is working her job. Uh, You just can't make helicopter parenting the law of the land. Not only is it bad for kids because they're being helicoptered, you know, always hovered over, always watched, always helped, but it also, um, you know, criminalizes parents who either trust their kids to walk home or get that hot dog or parents who can't be with them twenty four seven because they have they're working two jobs, so, you know, they're busy, they they, they don't have uh, money for a babysitter and so they let the ten year old and the eight year old come home. That shouldn't be anything that parents have to worry about no. being criminalized.
0: I agree. I have my I have my oldest daughter babysitting my my youngest son. You know what the prerequisite was for when, when she was equipped and qualified? When she could dial nine one one, that was that was it. Di- if you can dial nine one one, then you are good to go. There
1: you and, go.
0: And there wow. again, I could not tell people that because I would be demonized. I, I I would look be looked at as a as an awful parent. The the stuff that I would allow my kids to do, and they'll tell you stories. People go like, "You're kidding me." That no, <laughs> no, it's right. And here's what I say, all the people. right It's easy for me to say right now where I would have been in the fetal position, people <laughs> kicking me 15 years ago. Now I can say to all those all those folks, hey look, I'll look, take a look at my kids, I'll take a look at your kids. Anyone would take my kids any day over your shelter kids because your kids haven't grown. They haven't grown. And I think this is a lesson, not just for those who have little kids to take some risks, but also a lesson for us again as adults. We're all still God's children, if you will. We all still need to have free range. We all still mm-hmm. need to, be experiencing things outside of seatbelts.
1: <laughs> although, for the record, I love seatbelts, and I'm really sorry I put helmets in there because I do pretty much believe in helmets.
0: No, it's not helmets on yeah. tricycles when no, you're in no, the no, basement, no, no, though. No,
1: no, 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 no. Um, <laughs> although I always want to say I'm not a daredevil. I do believe in you know car seats and seatbelts and and this and that. Yeah. So the idea that taking your eyes off your kids is heedless or devil may care is. Uh, Not true. I mean, it's certainly because the statistics, you know, people say like, oh, I loved my free range childhood. I would take my bike and we'd stay out till the streetlights went on. But times have changed. And so I'm a reporter by trade. And so I looked up, uh, I already knew, but I looked up and published on, if you go to letgrow.org and you look under crime stats, there they are. There's the FBI crime statistics going down from 93 to the present. We're at like a 25-year crime low. So it's not that things got more dangerous. It's that we became more fearful. But The one word you said um, really interested me because you mentioned that if you told people when your children were young that you were letting them do some things on their own and that you trusted them, you would be, do you remember the word you just used? Demonized. Okay, yes. Uh, Let's unpack that for a second. Okay, demonized, right? right? There's something considered satanic about a parent who isn't watching their kids 24-7. And I don't want to get too deep here, and I'm not a theologian of any sort, But it seems to me that if you believe that there is a greater power who is watching over your kids and doing things because there is a a great plan, then if something goes wrong and you do break your arm, you know, maybe we don't have to hate on you as the parent because you weren't paying enough attention. Maybe we realize that this is part of something bigger And that we can't expect parents to be making every bit of fate happen to their kids. It's not only up to you. You're not in complete control. You, as a parent, are not in control. But... The reason you would have been demonized for letting your kids stay home alone is because now the idea is that parents are the only only things who should be in control. We should be watching them all right. the time with a GPS right. system. We should be with them all the time, driving them. We shouldn't let them be at the soccer game because what if something bad happens and what if they don't feel that they're loved enough if you're not cheering in every, every practice? And so the role of an omniscient, omnipotent being has been given to us. And it's driving us crazy, too, because we we can't handle it and that you're a a demon if you're not doing it.
0: Well, and I work with a lot of uh, younger males and females uh, who are getting married, have been married. And I I spend a good bit of time actually talking them into having kids because kids are the only thing that's going to outlast us. I don't care how much money you have at the bank or how big your business is. When you're dead, the only thing that's going to be left of you is your kids? When you're 60, the only relationships you're going to care about are your kids. In fact, even if you're 40, you've probably already gone through a couple different cycles of friendships. But the one, the one relationship that's never going to go away, unless you're a total ass, <laughs> is your kids. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm experiencing that right now. And I, 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 I think, meaning my kids, I have great friendships with them. They're wonderful. But what I, mm-hmm. what I say to these folks is, look. I understand you not wanting to have kids under today's climate, but yeah. you don't have to change your whole life for your kids. Oh, I know that I see. sounds That's radical. What they're worried
1: about. They're worried about like I'll have no fun again if I have kids. That's what they're thinking.
0: No, right? No freedom. Right. My life is on lockdown. Well, yeah, it is if you decide to just helicopter all the time. It is right. if you decide to not to kick your kids, out in the pa- your kids out in the pasture and enable them to experience life. But it doesn't have to be that way. But people don't see any other different option.
1: Right. That's because we've become very, very judgmental. And I think this also might go back to the idea of control. Like if anything bad happens, it's because you're a bad parent. So you feel like, well, I better be with them all the time, watching every move they make and encouraging them every single second, because otherwise, if something bad happens, I will be blamed. So if we could get out of this particularly mom shaming era um, of assuming that anytime something bad happens, it's because of a bad parent, that would help us a lot. I, remember when the the that kid fell into the gorilla cage? I think it was, wasn't that in Cincinnati? Yes, it
0: was in Cincinnati, yes.
1: And everybody was saying what a horrible mom she was and why wasn't she watching, and doesn't everybody know that that's so easy to happen that a kid could fall into the gorilla cage? And I'm thinking if, if it was so easy to happen, most people wouldn't go to the zoo. You know, you wouldn't <laughs> bring your kids to the zoo if it's like, well, there's a 50% chance they'll get in the right. gorilla cage and not and and um there didn't seem to be a lot of empathy for the fact that if you turn your head for a second and something happens that's not because you're a terrible mom it's because life is unpredictable and yet if i was a you know a young person thinking of having kids and these were the only models i had the minute something terrible happens everybody is going to um second guess your every move then I would be anxious about having kids because it's not just having kids, it's having an entire world ready to pounce on you for anything they disagree with when you are right. raising your kids.
0: Well, it's not just helicopter parents. What's the latest term? Bulldozer parents? Yes, yeah, what, snowplow
1: what, parents. There's swirling parents. Yeah, I mean- Which
0: is what, p- But the idea of not just hovering above, make sure you don't have something go wrong, but is it the idea of I'm going in front of you and I'm eliminating your all the yeah. roadblocks before you? Is that the idea? Yeah.
1: Yeah, you know, and these are not, these are not things that parents choose to, you know, these are social norms. Social norms sort of grow up around us without us saying, gee, it would be really fun to never be able to leave one single soccer practice and to watch them even when it's freezing, even when it's boiling for the next eight years while my kid is in soccer. That That's not something that anybody sets down to, you know, that's not how they want to live, but it becomes normal gradually. And what happened is we just became so focused on the worst case scenario the worst thing that could happen and then you know television only tells you the worst things and obviously the internet tells you the worst things with three exclamation points after it and we used to have like maybe your local news but now you have the worst stories from around the country and the world and the the assumption is that it is so dangerous and so terrible out there and your child has so little chance of being you know making it back safely from the three blocks from the from your school that we've, we normalize the idea of never being away from them. And that's, it's a drag for the parents. And, and, and if I was 23 and thinking, gee, I'd like to have a little fun. And the alternative is, you know, being in the pickup lane and drop-off lane every day at school, I might wait. I might wait a long time.
0: Oh, yeah, that's excellent. All right. Lenore, are you ready for the lightning round? Here's the rules of the lightning round. Oh, I say something to you, round, now you know. and oh. you bring it back in one or two sentences. Are you up for the challenge, Lenore, or have you been too pampered your whole life? You can't take a challenge like this.
1: Yeah, you had to put it like that. <laughs> uh, I guess I'm up for the challenge, Brian. All right. Here
0: we go. Lightning round, <laughs> can't first wait. question. Parenting during coronavirus, one thing to do and one thing not to do.
1: Okay, to do, have your kids help you out. You've got enough going on, okay? And that could be cooking, uh, helping out with the kids. I'm, I'm going on to extra sentences. Have your kids help you out. One thing not to do is worry that they're falling behind.
0: Lenore, you might be the very first guest on The Aggressive Life that has understood the rules of the lightning round. <laughs> Very, very impressive Maybe
1: I'm just a good rule follower, and here I am, not an iconoclast at all. Free range, worst
0: mom in the world, good rule follower. Okay. (laughs) What should parents and kids be doing this summer?
1: I'd say kids who aren't riding bikes yet should ride their bikes. Kids who have their training wheels on should take them off, and the parents should wave.
0: You're a free range parent, but is there any place where you draw the line?
1: Well, to me, drawing the line is part of being uh, a good parent and a free-range parent. If there's a curfew, set a curfew. If your kids have to do their homework before you let them play outside, do that. There's there's nothing, free-range doesn't mean rule-free.
0: How important is it for kids to be bored?
1: Boredom is painful, and that's good. Actually, we just did a survey here at Let Grow asking kids, to uh, tell us how they were feeling. Uh, Number two was happy. Number one was bored. I think they're associated. When you're really bored, it's painful and you come up with something to do. You start baking, you go outside, you start drawing, you read a book. So boredom is good because it leads you to do something.
0: All right, last question. Well, two more questions for you. I've read you volunteer one night a month for the last 18 years or so at a homeless shelter in Manhattan. Tell us about that. Why do you do that?
1: Um, mostly because I really like having fun. (laughs) And this shelter struck me as a place that I would enjoy. I'd heard from somebody that she worked at the shelter and it's for 12 guests a night. You get there a little before the guests. It's in a really fancy private school, but all the private school kids come home and the the gym is empty and we pull out the cots. It's me and another volunteer. You put out the cots and then you get to put out this lovely spread of dinner and you're allowed to go to the grocery and use the shelter's money to get, you know, sometimes roast beef or bologna or stuff that I love. And then people come in and you have this big dinner together. And I love dinner parties and I love parties in general. So it was just a way of having a dinner party one day a month. That's sweet. Yeah, no, I love that. And I feel bad because it's closed now because of COVID.
0: mm one of the many tragedies of that, of, you know, this crisis brand. Well, Lenore, you, you've been fantastic. How does somebody follow up with what you're doing? What do you want to talk about that we haven't talked about? What do you want to plug it. that we haven't plugged? Um, books, podcasts, uh, social media, just, just, just take some time and just pump yourself and help us to know how to follow up with you.
1: So our blog and our website is Let Grow. Not let it grow, not let's go, not let them go. It's L-E-T-G-R-O-W. Let it grow is always like one that freaks me out. Um, So it's letgrow.org. And there you'll find articles and you'll find what I was talking about before, crime statistics that show that crime is going down. You can print out a little card. Everything on our site is free that says... I'm not lost. I'm a let grow kid. If you don't believe me, here's my mom's phone number so a kid can go out. And if a, if a busybody stops them, it's like, listen, lady, you know, uh, my parents know I'm out here. They want me to be independent. It's good for me. And and here's the proof. If you go to let grow, there's also the let grow independence kit, which is sort of a home version of the let grow project. It's just ideas that kids could start doing on their own, whether it's you know, making something, baking something, running an errand, helping you out. It just is a bunch of ideas. And of course, you can use any idea that isn't on the list, whatever works for your family. But it 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 encourages the kid to come up with something to do. And it encourages the parent to see the growth that comes when their kids do something on their own. So it's just it's just sort of one-stop shopping for a little bit of independence. And then we're starting a podcast, and it's called Supervision Not Required, and I'm the host, and I wish I was a host like you. I'm not at that point yet, Brian. I, I, Just I admire this. Just time and
0: practice. Time and practice. That's all. Well, That's cool.
1: And, and here's the last thing I wanted to say for parents in this time when they're worried that their kids are falling apart or falling behind or wasting their time. And that is that I did a little research, and I, I, I will ask you this question. What did Albert Einstein do when he was a kid? in his free time?
0: Uh, well, something tells me, I, I I should say something like, he read a book, but uh, since you're asking it, mm-hmm. probably something more profound than that. Uh, <laughs> or, or not. Ride a bicycle.
1: Uh, so Albert Einstein spent his free time making card houses. You know, houses out of cards. You lean the one card against the other card, you make it a little A, and then you lean two other cards, and then you put some cards on top. And what happens when you do that is that, they always fall down, right? So basically, what he was doing was a complete and utter waste of time. Right? There was he wasn't learning anything. He couldn't he wasn't going to AP card houses, you know, he wasn't putting this on his resume. There was nobody he could impress except maybe a fellow 7-year-old or something. So Um, if your kids look like they're wasting their time and you're worried that they have no future because they've been playing some video games or they've been, you know, uh, just petting the cat or all they make is muffins and they're not advancing to soufflés, don't worry about it. You know, we all used to have a ton of free time and it didn't used to be a sin to waste some of it because that's just expanding, you know? And you said before, if you're bored, well, if you're bored... You're going to find something to do. And even making the card houses, you're learning patience and being able to tolerate the frustration of the card house falling down and maybe learning a little physics along the way if you're Einstein. So, you know, just because you're looking at your kid and you're thinking, wow, you know, he's not getting, you know, he's not hitting the books, right? He's not uh, building a computer. That's okay. That's okay. We all had free time. And I think the lack of it is one of the things that's been driving kids crazy. And making
0: them well so said. anxious lenore it has been just wonderful to get to know you today and, Brian. and hear a bit your story and hear your wisdom this is this is a lot a lot of good stuff and uh I'm thankful to uh count you as a new friend
1: I love that I'm so grateful too I was just reading your fantastic essay about um George Floyd really great I mean want to get that out there
0: oh, well thank you I
1: do I love the fact that you do feel empathy for police in, in a very tough job, but it is inexplicable how you can see somebody dying under your knee and um, and hear people saying, like, hey, man, he's not going to attack you. It's not like, you know, and still tune that out. So anyways, it was just, it was really great. And I think that somehow yours um, literally got under my skin. Isn't that funny, that expression? Um, so it was know, helpful.
0: Too encouraging. Well, Hey, boys and girls, it's been great having all of us with us today, boys and girls of all ages. Let's let's remember what we've learned here. Let's push our kids a little bit, and let's remember we're all still a child, and we need to be pushed. That's what's called making life, or specifically, an aggressive life. We'll see you next time on The Aggressive Life. Hey, thanks for listening.